0: reading from the book of Genesis. Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father and brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, what is your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, we have come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land, let them live in Goshen, And if you know any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my father's. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramses, as Pharaoh had directed. Joseph also provided his father and brothers and all his father's household with food, according to the number of their children. Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. The word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Mel. Well, the title of my message today is The Old Man and the shepherd. It's drawn from Genesis 47, but before we dive in, would you bow your heads with me as I begin this time with a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray come, Holy Spirit come, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to begin by asking everyone this question. Do you know the shepherd? The following story comes by way of the war cry, the official publication of the Salvation Army. And I've been saving this story for well over a year for a passage just like today. It reads, many years ago, one of England's leading actors was asked to recite For the pleasure of his fellow guest. He consented and asked if there was anything special that his audience would like to hear. After a moment's pause, an old clergyman or pastor present said, Could you, sir, recite to us the 23rd Psalm? A strange look passed over the actor's face. He paused for a moment and then said, I can, and and I will with one condition, and that is after I've recited it, you too, friend, will do the same. I, said the clergyman, in surprise, but I am not an elocutionist. However, if you wish it, I will do so. Impressively, the great actor began the psalm. His voice and his intonation were perfect. He held his audience spellbound, and as he finished a great Bursts of applause broke from the guest. Then as it died away, the old clergyman arose and began the psalm. His voice was not remarkable. His intonation was not faultless. And when he had finished, no sound of applause broke the silence. But there was not a dry eye in the room. And many heads were bowed. Then the actor rose to his feet again. His voice shook as he laid his hand upon the shoulder of the old clergyman. And he said, I reached your eyes and ears, my friends. But he reached your hearts. The difference is just this. I know the 23rd Psalm. But he knows the Shepherd." Today, as we continue our series in the life of Joseph, we'll be focusing on Joseph's father, Jacob. Really, the story of Joseph falls under the veil of the story of Jacob. For as we began this series in January, the beginning of Genesis 37 actually began with these words. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. And then of course, Genesis 37 went right into Joseph's early days. Thus, it's fitting that this morning in Genesis 47, we're drawn back to Jacob himself, where he's reunited with his son Joseph after more than 20 years apart, 20 hard years apart that nearly killed both men. There's much we can learn today from our passage, and I'll share our big expository idea here in just a minute. But I think it's compelling to start by sharing that by this point in the Bible, by this point in the story of Joseph, Genesis 47, Jacob, his dad, is an old man, an old shepherd actually, who just like the old pastor in our opening illustration could surely say, I know the shepherd, the one true shepherd, and he knows me. And friends, my hope here today, whether you are young, Sarah Bell, or old like some of us with gray hair, is that we can all leave here this morning saying that same thing. I know the shepherd, the one true shepherd, and he knows me. Wouldn't that be nice? So let's dive into our passage. The big idea from Genesis 47 for us today is this. In order to receive what's in front of us by faith, we must leave what's behind us in life by way of humility and vulnerability. And we'll see this truth played out in the old man Jacob's life and in the life lives of his sons. Once again, in order to receive what's in front of, in front of us by faith, we must leave what's behind us in life by way of humility and vulnerability. So point one, we must leave what's behind us in life by way of humility and vulnerability. Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father and brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked the brothers, What's your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, we've come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Two ingredients. There are two raw ingredients to a life of faith that are seen in our passage And those ingredients are humility and vulnerability. First, humility. At this point in the story of Genesis, there's a famine around the world. People are starving. Whole nations are starving. And somehow through God's providence, God has positioned this guy Joseph through a hellish journey to be the number two in command in Egypt, which practically speaking means number two in command in the whole world. Moreover, through divine dreams and insight, God has allowed this Joseph to soar up grain for Pharaoh, Egypt, and even his distant and broken family to be able to provide for them to withstand this difficult time. And with that backdrop, we come to Genesis 47 and we witness something profound. What do we see? We see humility give birth to breakthrough in the life of Joseph's family. Specifically, we see Jacob and his sons, Joseph's brothers, come before Pharaoh and admit they've hit bottom. They've hit rock bottom. Here's how it went down. First, the brothers admit to Pharaoh that they're foreigners. They are refugees, having left everything they know in the land of Canaan. Next, they admit that they're shepherds following the lineage of their ancestors, well aware that if you look in the context of Genesis here, well aware that this was a despised class of people in Egypt. And finally, the brothers admit that they're starving and their flocks are starving and they are doomed without outside intervention and mercy. Again, humility. Pulling from a modern day illustration in the words of Cinderella, perhaps the greatest risk any of us will ever take is to be seen as we really are. And that's what we see here with Joseph's father and brothers. They admit who they are and where they are. They're refugees, they're rejects, and they're starving to death. They've hit rock bottom, and it had to be oh so hard. And bringing this into our t- context and into the room today, allow me to ask you this question Have you ever hit rock bottom? where you don't know what to do, you don't know whom to trust, where you don't know where your next meal will come from, you don't know where your next job will come from, you don't know where your next hug will come from, you don't know where your next break will come from. Have you ever been in that place? Does God see you there in that place? Does he even care for you there? Listen to these words from Psalm 51, verse 7. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. That's noteworthy, right? That God welcomes the broken spirit. Listen, if this is you, God welcomes you today. And isn't it interesting, in what many consider the greatest teaching of all time, Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount with these words, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And listen, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. Apparently humility is very dear to Jesus. And isn't it notable that in God's sovereign plan, Jesus was born not in a mansion, but where? In a manger. Why would that be? Might it be so he can relate, Hayden, to you and to me, no matter our origin? And friends, isn't, listen, isn't it profound that Jesus as a child, by way of his mom and dad, found safety just like Jacob and his family, ready for it, as a refugee in Egypt? Did you know that? We read that in Matthew chapter two. Friends, such a path was no accident. No, according to Scripture, humility is the birthplace of breakthrough. And it's one of the raw ingredients of faith. It allows us to see us for who we really are, and it allows us to see God for who he really is. And most importantly, it allows us to see Jesus, the real Jesus, and how and why he came. Next, in our passage, we see vulnerability. We see humility and vulnerability in our passage. What's the difference, you might ask? Well, humility admits one's lowly estate, whereas vulnerability invites love and relationship into one's lowly estate. Let me repeat that. Humility admits one's lowly estate, whereas vulnerability invites love and relationship into that place, into one's lowly estate. In our day and age, plenty of people are okay with being transparent or honest. I think this. I've been through this. I'm even struggling with this. Maybe that's you. However, vulnerability is quite the riskier play. It says, will you help me in this? Will you see me in this? Will you forgive me for this? Vulnerability invites even fosters real relationship and it's risky. It invites another to sit with you and help you at your bottom and in the dark. And that's exactly what we see from Jacob and the sons. Jacob and his sons don't simply admit their lowly estate, their lowly place. They essentially say to Pharaoh, help, help us. Returning to verse four, look at this. We have come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan, your servants Flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Just focus on a couple of those words. Please, servants, let us stay. Vulnerability. Let me ask, which takes more courage, to hide one's brokenness or to cry out in one's brokenness? to cry out in one's brokenness. Listen, vulnerability is courageous from a biblical perspective. Keep in mind here, in our passage, these are men. You might call them dudes, crying out. They've spent most of their nights sleeping outdoors, defending their flocks from wild animals. They had to be tough, Bobby most likely tougher than you and me, but what do we see? Vulnerability. Friends, that's the biblical model. Not to hide one's debt or shame or depravity, but to admit that you and I are not the masters of the universe. We never were. We never will be. That's okay. Thus, in Genesis 47, Joseph's father and brothers display humility and vulnerability as they leave the lives they know behind desperate for something more, crying out for something more, and what results from their humility and vulnerability? Blessing. It's right there. Unspeakable blessing. This leads us to point two. Receive what's in front of you by faith. Passage continues. Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father, your brothers have come to you, and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and brothers in the Worst part of the land? No, the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know any of them, among them, have special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. And then Joseph brought his father in and presented him before Pharaoh. And after Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? I love this. And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few. What? And difficult. And difficult. And they do not equal the years of the pilgrim, pilgrimages of my fathers. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. And the scriptures go on. So Joseph settled his father and brothers in Egypt, gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramses, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of, number of their children. Again, they were in the midst of a famine incredible provision and then concluding with verses 27 and 28 now the israelites settled in egypt in the land of, land of excuse me region of goshen they acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number jacob lived in egypt 17 years and the years of his life were 147 friends in the words of the late cory tinboom never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. That's what we see here from Jacob. Now listen, I think I could use another illustration at this point in a sermon. I didn't have this in the first service, but as I was processing this with my wife, I said, where do you see us having to live by faith, not by sight? And she's like, well, with Caden. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about. This whole college application thing will put you in the dirt. Listen, you could recycle different essays applying to colleges when I was a youngster. Now they all have their own essays. We have certain people in here that have applied to 17 or 19 colleges. They've flown all over the country. There's a lot of pressure in this. He's not here today, so I will let you know there have been tear-filled nights with our oldest. It's been hard. And yet God continues to show up Before him and before us and beside us. And that's what we see here with Jacob. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. It's subtle. Listen, but did you catch what Jacob, the old man, did twice to Pharaoh? Kathy, you're always attuned. What did he do twice to Pharaoh? He blessed him. him. This man, this leathery old man, I'm sure, with the scraggly old beard who himself had admitted he'd had a difficult life, which if you remember, listen, I had to like go PG rating here. If you remember, his life was very difficult. It included betraying his brother, stealing from his father-in-law, marrying four women, playing favorites with his kids, learning his oldest son was guilty of incest, learning his next two sons were guilty of excessive violence, thinking for years his cherished son had died in the wilderness and having lost the love of his life, Rachel... Before they could grow old together, this man, this old leathery man, Jacob, who had been through so much, did what? He blessed Pharaoh. Why? Jacob blessed Pharaoh because despite all he'd been through, he didn't believe God was through with him yet. Do you remember the promise given to Abraham? Jacob's ancestor and Abraham, excuse me, Abraham, Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all of the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Thus, remarkably, the blessings we see given in our passage show that Jacob, despite all he had been through, still believed in God's promises in what must have been a crazy or bizarre scene. Listen, we see the old man who had been, who had virtually nothing, excuse me, who had virtually nothing at this point, had virtually lost everything. We see this old man come in and bless Pharaoh, the one who actually did have everything, materially speaking. Why? Because Jacob was acting as God's agent. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse Listen, friends, Jacob, despite being 130 years old, a few years, 130 years old, and he was worn to the bone. This man was still living by faith and not by sight. And it's awesome. What an inspiration. And so what happens next? God shows up. God goes before Jacob and his sons, and they settle where? In a land called Goshen. As Cody highlighted this last week, it was perfect. It was lush, so their flocks could feed. And it was in the northeastern, if you look at the globe, even a global map today, it was in the northeastern pocket of Egypt. So it would allow them to maintain their separateness and their fidelity to the Lord. So they wouldn't intermix with the Egyptians. And let me ask, in all of this, what was required from this family, Jacob and his sons? Did these, now this is a little call and response. Did these men have to be perfect? No. Did they have to be pure? No, all that was required of them was that they trust the Lord with their lives and their future. Out of their humility and vulnerability, they had to live by faith, not by sight. It sounds simple, but I'm sure it was not. I'm sure it was a minute by minute process, day by day process, week by week process of trusting. Some of you know this all too well. Listen, I want to be real with you. We have some guests today. I want to be real with you. If you're looking for a faith tradition that comes with an easy button, you remember those commercials, there's that easy button? Listen, Christianity is absolutely not for you. But if you're looking for a faith that's raw and real and redemptive, where God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, then you have found your home. Jacob, the old man, knew this kind of faith, and it's our invitation to walk wherever we are in life, no matter what we're facing, clear or unclear, to walk with this kind of faith. Now, before we conclude, I want to share one more nugget. I just have to share it. Did you catch how old Jacob was at the end of our passage? 147. How long had he lived in Egypt? Got it. Does anyone remember how old Joseph was when he was kidnapped in Genesis 37? 17 years old. Listen. Through God's poetic sovereignty, Jacob was able to match every single year he'd spent with Joseph as a young father in Canaan with the same number of years he was able to spend with Joseph as an old man, an old father in Egypt. Isn't that incredible? God knows what he's doing, folks. That's what we're meant to see. He can be trusted even with the order in the very number of days of our lives. Again, in order to receive what's in front of us by faith, we must leave what's behind us in life by way of humility and vulnerability. And Jacob and his sons came to believe this and they chose to live this way in our passage. And guess what? God stayed true to his promises and blessed them beyond measure. Now to conclude, this is important. I don't want you to leave here today thinking that you're promised some amazing plantation in a place called Goshen or Kiowa Island. (laughs) While that may be true, that's not the deeper truth we're meant to see here. What we're meant to see is that it's okay. Listen, it's okay to not be okay. Because it's precisely there, there in that place where we learn to meet and trust and live under the lordship of the one who will never let us down. It's in that place where we are able to meet the God-given brothers and sisters who can sit with us in the dark and dance with us in the light. It's in that place where we discover that those random strangers, neighbors, coincidences, or foreigners are not so random or foreign after all. It's in that place, if we follow the biblical narrative, to its full completion that we come face to face with Jesus himself and discover the power of the empty tomb. In order to receive what's in front of us by faith, we must leave what's behind us in life by way of humility and vulnerability. So where do we go? Where do we go from here? Here's the invitation and call to action. First, be humble. Be humble. Where are you weak? I really needed to hear this, especially in my late teen years. So if you're a teenager, whoever you are, I just have a sense that some of you know this weakness. Where are you weak? Where are you struggling? Like Jacob and his sons, it's time we get real with ourselves and God. Listen, today I invite each one of us to admit at least one thing with which we are struggling and bring it to God as we come to the table, as we come to communion. Say to God, here I am, and here's my bottom. Second, be vulnerable. You wanna know what I've noticed on Daniel Island and in Greater Charleston? We're open to helping others, but are scared to death of asking others to help us. How are you at being vulnerable? Thus, the second thing I'd encourage each of us to do today is to ask God and listen and one other person for help in the area with which you are struggling. Would you be so courageous as to be vulnerable like Jacob and his own sons? Friend, help me. See me. Sit with me in the dark. Pray with me. Would you dare to be so courageous today? And third, be bold and live by faith. What if we took God's word as seriously as Jacob and trusted him with our fears, our families, and our future? Imagine the impact that would make on our kids, our church, and our world. With that in mind, I wanna challenge every believer here today to pray, to seek to pray with at least, listen, one stranger, acquaintance, neighbor, or leader this week would you dare to be like Jacob and extend God's blessing can i pray for you friend if ever you need me to pray i'm here for you it's not about your perfection it's about your presence returning to our opening illustration my hope it as excuse me my hope is that as you whoever you are as you leave here this morning you can join Jacob and other old timers in the faith, in saying with clarity and conviction, I know the shepherd, the one true shepherd, and you know what, he knows me. And that changes everything. I know the shepherd, the one true shepherd, and he knows me. Gosh, and that changes everything, both for today and in the days to come. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. This story of redemption by way of humility and vulnerability. God, would you search us and know us and draw forth our darkness. Bring us lower so we may actually meet with you with that broken spirit. I invite everyone just over the next few seconds in the silence of this moment to confess or share your struggles with the Lord God I pray for breakthrough we pray for breakthrough would you break the bonds of darkness would you enter into that place with us And Jesus, would you forgive us let us know that we are on this side of the resurrection, and that changes everything. Thank you for being the good, good Father, the shepherd who knows us. Walk with us today and in the days to come. Walk with our families for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.